Good to see you. You too. Thank you. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. You're you're creating all kinds of uh, amazing content right now, but you're also developing teams. You're here in Reading. You're you're just kind of going for it. Yes. You've been here eleven years. Yeah. Um, but you're originally from Portland. Portland. Yeah, Portland, Oregon. Yeah, that, that, that's incredible. So if we could just kind of dive in there, yeah, kind of into the the genesis of of Mike Mashiro. Okay. And so, how did you get from Portland? To, to Reading. Man, the short version is I was working in the corporate world, climbing that corporate ladder, doing really well for myself, actually, at a pretty young age. <clears throat> and then I was working at my, I was at my desk Monday morning, pretty depressed because I had just gone on a trip to San Francisco with some friends. And around one o'clock, uh, I look at this woman. And as I look away from her, my, I don't know what happened. I don't know how to explain this, yeah. except for time got fractured into four different sections. By the time I looked at my screen, couldn't hear anything. The whole world stopped. And I heard in my mind, what are you doing here, Mike? And I was like, well, what is happening? And then he said, you're not supposed to be here. I have something else for you. And then everything went back to normal. And I didn't realize that that moment changed my life. I obviously had to go process and figure out what was going on. So you're at, you're at work. It's like, it's one in the afternoon. Middle of the day. Uh, this lady walks by, you're like. I, I look at her, her name's Margaret. I was like, okay. oh, Margaret's a believer and so am I. We should probably be believers together in this environment. That was my random thought. It didn't really make any sense. All and, right. then, and then everything freezes. It get like reality gets cut into like- As I look away from her, it starts to kind of like shift. Whoa. And I'm like, what's happening? And by the time I look at my screen, everything has stopped. And I can't hear anything. The world is paused. And then God's voice fills your head space. It, it was like he used the voice that I think my thoughts with okay, and talked okay. to me with it. I knew it wasn't me. It was like on it was doing its own thing. I was like, what is happening? It yeah. was I was like, it's am very, I going crazy? Yeah. This is weird. It's very kind of neo-ish. It's it very is. kind of matrixy. It, the Matrix like, is my favorite is it really? movie for okay. I think a lot of yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah. But yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it was I'd never experienced like, anything. Get like on the that. floor. <laughs> <You> <laughs> call <laughs> Mike. Exactly. He's like, yeah, exactly. I said North. Awesome. Okay. All right. So, all right. So now you're like, okay, I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. All right. So I'm, I, I get home, talk to a friend of mine who is a big advocate for YWAM. She had done a few things with YWAM and she kept trying to get me to go with Youth of the Mission. And I was okay. like, I don't want to go be broke for Jesus. Right, that does right, not right. sound like a plan that I want to be part of. Because that's all I could like experience from people. Um, but after this moment, I was like, you know what? I'm open to anything. I knew I had to leave my family, my friends, my job, the location. I had to leave everything. I knew that. I don't know how. I just It came with wow. understanding. So mm -hmm. we looked at the website and there were discipleship training schools all over the world. I was like, holy cow, these people are very much doing their job. This is amazing. And then I saw there were a couple in Japan. My dad is Japanese. I was like, if I'm going to go anywhere, I might as well go there. I can yeah. learn more about that guy. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, my yeah. dad and I have always been very different people. So I was like, I would love to understand his culture and all that better. So anyway, long story short, I applied for a DTS in Tokyo and got accepted. Um, but it wasn't until like eight months later that I actually ended up going. And in that time was when I started encountering Jesus on a regular basis. And he wrecked me and I wept constantly. I'd so never... encountering Jesus, like uh, <laughs> that's like 
like actual like the physical form of Jesus. Well, he wasn't like, physical. No, no, no. So that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I was going to a college group every Friday night that John Mark Comer was doing called okay. The Way with yeah. Solid Rock back then. They're a Jesus church now. Yeah. I think they've actually... Anyway, um, John Mark, I was sat on his teaching for a while. He convinced me that God loved me. And I got saved when I was four. So I, I did the religious thing my whole life. Okay. But I didn't know Jesus, you know? And so John Mark kind of paved the way in my heart as far as just teaching that God emphatically was passionate about wow. who I was, whatever, I mean, wow. all of us. Wow. And then from that place, it was one random Friday night at the college group. Um, the worship team was on stage uh, just leading worship. And then all of a sudden, it's not like God wasn't there, but all of a sudden I was aware that he was there and I couldn't, I wasn't separate from him anymore and I couldn't protect myself from him. And I was shocked at how intense his presence was, how, like, I didn't know what holiness was until then. And wow. I, I studied it and talked about it and whatever I had, I was yeah. like, I don't get this, but yeah. all of a sudden there he was. And I was like, I remember wanting to die. It was just so intense. His humility, his kindness, his innocence. I was dumbfounded. I did not know that God was like this. Wow. And I had spent wow. years like studying God, learning about God, telling people about God. You know, so all of a sudden, everything that I thought I knew and what was happening was there was such a contrast and a discrepancy that I was undone. I just like cried a ton. Wow. Uh, for the, the first time, I was just like, a, I had like a pool of my own snot and tears in my hands. It was gross. And then every Friday night that was happening, it didn't stop. I couldn't, yeah. I don't know that, like, if God was doing this himself or I just, something changed in me, but like I could not protect myself from him. And then it started happening outside of Friday nights. Like it got bad enough that people, if someone said the name of Jesus, I would just start crying immediately. Cause Some I just- Mascara everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I just could not fathom that Jesus was real. I couldn't believe there's someone like him in the world. And I, I didn't have like a resume that I was going off of anymore. Wow, I wasn't wow, going off some wow, book. Wow. I was like, I know this person. He's That's the most cruel. beautiful person I'd ever met. And he's real. And I just, my brain could not compute. So I just cried all the time for like months. And a few of my best friends, every once in a while, one of them would pull me aside and be like, dude, are you okay? <laughs> like, I know that you keep saying, you're talking about Jesus and he's beautiful. We get that. And that's true. And I agree yeah. with you, but I'm concerned. Like, are you sure there's not like something deep, some pain or something that you're not right, understanding? Like, right. oh, he's beautiful. And I just would be, a, I mean, I hear myself, I'm like, I sound like an idiot. And I don't know what else to tell them. It's incredible. So that time, that was like a very constant thing going on. I had no idea he was rewriting everything about what I knew. And it was crazy. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, that's amazing. And now that was all at YWAM. Is that no, right? that was before YWAM. Oh, that, that was, was all in before. Portland. Yes. Oh my, my stomping grounds. The Lord just started moving in my life, and once I made the decision to leave, all of a sudden this stuff started to shift, and He just moved in and started like cleaning house. That, that's incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so then, did you do the the YWAM Japan thing? Yeah. So in April of 2008, I moved to Tokyo wow. and did the discipleship training school there. Yeah. Um, met a spiritual father of mine, Dave McDaniel. That's when I first found out about Bethel. The first Sunday service I went to in Tokyo, there was a team from a place called Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And I'm yeah. coming from conservative side of okay. Christianity, right? Yeah. So I was like... They're all like sticking pennies to the wall. So. <laughs> not yet. But at least they're doing that in Reading Mountain Japan. Right, yeah. But I was like, is that like Harry Potter for Christians? Right, like, what right, are you talking right. about? I had no grid for right. supernatural Christianity. Right. So at the service, these two girls, like one of them called me out um, at the end. They're processing over people. I'd never seen that before. And so anyway... the called me up. I stood up and then they started telling me some things about my relationship with the Lord and the anointing on my life that wow. I had not really heard before. I mean, I'd heard some things, but they were pretty specific. And yep. I was like, I think this might actually be God. And I didn't know what else to do with it. So I just wrote it down. I was kind of intrigued. The next week we did a treasure hunt and I never done anything like that before. I found a guy explicitly the way I described him. I was like, what? So I'm like having to 
question some things and you know make some new choices about what the world really is and how wow. God actually participates. And wow. so that was like five months of me just having to like wrestle through some things. And I read When Heaven Invades Earth by Bill Johnson yeah, while I was there. Yeah, I just yeah. wept. Amazing. Amazing. Couldn't believe someone was teaching that stuff. Yeah, I'd been looking for my uh, for a long time, and I don't. I think I needed to go on that journey before I'd be willing to hear what Bill had to say. But yeah, so that time in Japan changed my life. I got. I went from being a very heady intellectual cerebral christian to starting to open up to the possibility that the spirit could actually lead but the holy spirit could lead me yeah and have a grade for it so yeah that's incredible so then at a certain point you're like these guys are from reading yeah and they they seem pretty cool and different yeah. uh yeah there's something like that going on <laughs> i went back to guam i'm from guam originally okay. so i popped there for like 10 days on my way back to oregon after the whole japan thing okay and i was just starting to pray and talking to the lord about like hey i don't know what i'm doing when i get back i don't even know what i'm doing here can okay. you please i don't care what you say i don't care how you say it please just don't let me go back to running my own life please tell me what to wow. do next right wow. i mean that was my wow. the heart cry was like please tell me what to do next yeah so i had a dream on guam basically long story short tried to get jesus out of his tomb this woman wouldn't let me we're fighting or disagreeing or whatever and finally um she's like we'll give you his garments you have to drop this his blood is no longer on my company's hands and i was like no i want his dreams back from the dead and i woke up out of a dead sleep and i was like what? Wow. And I knew something significant happened so I just kind of scribbled it down and went back to bed two weeks later I'm in Portland and I wake up and I hear in that same voice in my head this is not the cemetery I brought you to wow. and I was like what does that mean and I, my spirit knew immediately what that meant the yeah. rest of me did not want to know it because yeah. while Bethel was intriguing I did not want to live in Redding, California okay. I was not interested in moving there and yeah. so when the Lord told me again not to stay in Portland I was not ready to hear that I, I mean I was open to going wherever You're I like, just wanted I don't even fish <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean I wanted more like direction than that sure, you know, I want a little sure, more detail sure. so I went for a walk that morning with a friend and I told her like what was going on and the only place I could think to go was Reading. she's like why don't you just move to Reading?" I was like oh I'm not gonna move to Reading. this is my life we're talking about right, you know what I mean right like, right anyway four months goes by I don't leave and I'm I go for walks every day I'm just praying to the Lord I'm like God would you please like I get you know I'm gonna be here that's fine where would you like me to go anything else he would not speak to me it was rough and I was like going through some weird I guess we call it like persecution. I'm putting air quotes, you know. But the people that I left behind in Oregon when I came back, like they were not happy about things I was talking about. They yeah. were super afraid, nervous, Portland concerned. Portland people are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just have fun. Um, yeah, but, no, just it was the religious thing. Portland like, community. persecution, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, my friends, like these believers who I was running with, like they were super threatened by and afraid of like the Holy Spirit, like healing, miracles, prophecy, they did not have a grid for that stuff. And just, and I had a lot of influence. So like my spiritual mentor from Portland was like, hey, I'm nervous because like people are going to follow Mike. And he didn't say this to me. He's talking to some people. As I yeah. found out. And did they think together. that maybe you're like joining a cult or something? Maybe, yeah. yeah. I mean, he did his yeah. research on Bethel, you know, whatever yeah, research sure. entailed. And he wrote me a three-page letter telling me not to go to BSSM, wow, that they wow. would not teach me Jesus, that I should go to an accredited Bible school and that kind of thing. And I was so sad. I was like, I think that's probably the end of this relationship. I don't want that to be the case. We'll see if we can survive, but I'm going. You know, I knew that was going to happen. I was starting to like come to terms with that. So anyway, um, I came home one day at the end of a busy day or whatever, still in Portland. Yeah. Closed the door to my bedroom and I felt, I don't know how to describe, this is what I describe it as. There was a spirit in front of my window and it was there to frustrate me and I could I knew he was there and I didn't have a grid for this stuff up to that point but I was very aware like there is something here that is here to ruin my life and I was like I gotta leave and so I, a week and a half later I'm driving with everything I have to Reading and moved and that was in January 2019 or 2009 and um 
yeah my life changed and then so the lord started meeting me there again the story picked up he started chatting it up again i'm like oh thank god <laughs> some prophetic words i got while i was in tokyo started coming true in reading and so carried me through that weird little season there but um did first and second year at bssm and awesome then, awesome yeah sorry so that would have been like uh what 2010 2011 yep. that you're at bss wow. yeah so i jumped in first year 2009 and okay. then uh, graduated in second okay. year 2011 wow yeah amazing yeah. there's a lot there so what was that transition like uh diving into bssm with 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 having like a sample like you've had like a costco yeah. sample like uh, you've had like <laughs> you've had beth on a toothpick totally. right but yeah. now you're actually like yeah. full immersion oh man um there i was there in january school didn't start till september so i had eight months in the culture in the okay, environment okay as like a civilian or whatever yeah you know? <clears throat> so i started becoming friends with some students who are currently in the previous first year class that i would be in the next year sure so i started like learning how to prophesy with them i was going to like all the classes at bethel i could um i didn't have any friends here i went on walks a lot by myself yeah <laughs> i slowly started making friends and like plugging in and all that um so it was rough i was i remember taking the fire starters class on sunday morning at okay. bethel that was in hindsight it's it's laughable that's like one of the more extreme like manifestation joy of the lord kind of classes Bethel has yeah and I, that's the class yeah. I was going to and I, yeah. I remember um, I was at a table and the people at my table were drunk in the spirit laughing their heads off acting like absolute lunatics yeah. and I was like I remember it got to the point in one Sunday morning I was like I think I might have made a mistake. Like, I don't know if I should be here. These people are insane. Like, I don't actually know if they're talking about Jesus anymore. I, I don't know. They'll fall um, over their They were just out of their minds. <laughs> and it was just so, I mean, there was so much freedom yeah. and such a yeah. lack of clarity that I did not know what to do with it. Thank wow. God I had a table leader. Yeah. And, and spared me. Um, I got to ask her as honest as I could, like, what the heck? What do I do with this? Right. How is that in the Bible? You know, and she kind of pointed out things in scripture. And I was like crap that is there okay i see that interesting and so as i started as my mind started getting some like hooks to be able to grab onto the rest of what i was seeing around me made less and less offense in my heart and it made more sense i don't know i didn't identify with it i didn't experience it personally but i wasn't as like freaked out by it so there was a bit of transition there um thankfully i had some guiding hands along the way who could help me yeah like adjust the culture yeah but i also remember like probably five months into being in reading i missed like the reverence and this um like my somber relationship with the Lord and not like a sadness. Sure. But I had just such a deep reverence and like a stillness. And when it came to Bethel, everything was laughing and loud and expressive and which isn't wrong or bad, but it was such a contrast to what my relationship with the Lord was like up to sure, that point and the, sure, the sure. places that I met him. So I got out of practice of like being still and quiet and started trying to be more in the expressive place, which I think was good and helpful. But after a while I started like feeling like I missed Jesus, you know, and then not to say they didn't have it, but it was just a culture shock and a transition that I was like having to work through. So that was interesting. So by the time I got to first year, I had worked out some of that stuff and had a little bit of stamina and like a grid for the culture. So that was helpful. That is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I always think it's interesting when you think of like the, just the, the, the quantity of students that yeah. come from all over the world, from mm -hmm. all kinds of different backgrounds. Yeah. And uh, we, we've had, uh, we usually have a Bethel team. Uh, come through our church every spring, you nice. know, for, for yeah, that for, the mission, for, trip? for mission trips. Okay, nice. And I'm always shocked at um, the diversity of students yeah. and the diversity of backgrounds. Yeah. And I always wonder, like, how do they do, a, like, assimilation? Like, because yeah. there's like there's language, yep. and then there's I mean, there's such a culture, right? Mm -hmm. And um, 
so I was wondering if there's like if there's kind of like a, an assimilation kind of cultural immersion sort of like oh, when we use this word this is what we mean you know and yeah. if this happens this is how to react or not react you yeah. know but yeah um, or, mean, been... or if it's just basically like get it <laughs> <laughs> you know I would say it's a combination of both yeah yeah um, maybe a little more of the boot kicking but yeah. um, I mean it was 10 years ago so I don't know if they've like changed sure, a bit sure, but sure. Um, definitely there were moments where there was some vernacular coaching like hey you guys when we say this, this is what we mean this is not what, this is what we don't mean back then they were running into students like doing outreach like at Walmart or Target or whatever and then those stores like banning students from being able to do ministry which okay. we understand from a business standpoint sure. but like Bethel was having to try and manage some of those messes and I think Bethel has done a great job like preserving a culture of freedom and empowerment whilst also setting these new people up who do want to take these radical risks or whatever up for success and learning how to like navigate relationship with the city and business and stuff right yeah it's incredible it's a mess for sure to have to navigate and i think they do a great job so we do have a bit of like guiding along the way as far as like how to walk this out on a soul level like hey you guys yes do anything the lord's saying however yeah. remember there are human beings who don't know him and they're not going to perceive what you're doing and some of this is risk some of this you might be missing completely like put some grace in there put some space in there for you to actually renegotiate what this needs to look like or whatever so yeah i think they did a good a great job explaining that and a, but a lot of it was go do yeah. it you know it yeah. was green light yeah totally so Goose. it's like a happy little like mosh podge and then you kind of work it out you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah no that's awesome and then um how were you able to find the balance again between kind of like uh the 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 sacred and um part of your relationship with the lord and then just and then the playful fun part yeah, that's a great question um I or, guess, or were you able to find I, i'm I, yeah, assuming I'm, that you did find kind of i that. would say that i don't actually have a huge value for balance um, okay. So I wasn't looking for a balance yeah. necessarily. Um, I just wanted intimacy with the Lord, right? Yeah. And so uh, one of the most awkward parts of encountering the Lord like that and knowing him in that place is I can't make him show up. Sure. I don't know how to get sure. him to do anything sure. for me. You know what I mean? Like, God, it's time. Like, would you just like wreck me again? Like, I don't <laughs> totally, know how to get yeah. him to do that. Yeah. You know, I wish I could and I wish I could give that to other people. I don't know how. And so that makes my walk with the Lord for me personally a little bit awkward. Like, all I know to do is just bear witness, tell my sure. story, whatever. But I don't know how to get him to like black them out like you did me you know what i mean like yeah. i don't know how to do that and if yeah. someone does i'm like i'd love to learn how to do that but i don't know how so sure. um I, I don't know that i ever balanced it i think that i continued to just do what i could with what was in front of me and just continue to seek the lord and there were moments where he would come it was nowhere near as intense or as regular as it was in portland and i don't know if that was like a i don't know about like a seasonal thing or like a initial thing um there were moments where he would come like that and i'm like <gasps> Wow. I could breathe again, wow. right? Wow. Um, but it definitely has become more infrequent. And I think partly partly that's because of what I'm focusing on and what I'm doing. Um, and the other part is, I think, just the, what's been established and what has matured. Like, the Lord meets me in different ways now. And I don't ever not want that to happen. Of course, like, I love it. And it does happen every once in a while. But um, I don't know that I have a lot of authority in the matter. I don't sure. know how to, you know, sure. like regulated or whatever so anyway um i don't know that i found a balance but uh the best i know to do is be faithful with what he's given me continue to say yes and trust that he knows what he's doing wants the best for me better than i want for myself and he's more capable and so as i continue to just agree with his intention and nature toward me like i let him work it out um, yeah. and i think i've just a lot over the last few years let go of trying to produce certain outcomes in my experience okay. with the lord yeah, yeah you know yeah. not because i don't want them but because sure. i don't know that that's how that played out sure. you know yeah. i guess I, that's probably the no, best. I, yeah I, I, absolutely um so now you're like so 
discernment that's like a big that's a big part of like 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 your gift mix and mm. just and, and also what you're equipping people in yes and um and you also talked about like you were aware of this spirit in portland that was like trying to frustrate you yeah where you knew it would be unhealthy for you to stay there yeah. and so um did that start to become kind of like a pattern you started to become more and more aware of of yeah, spirit question yes great question yeah. uh it didn't become a pattern what happened was on the second day of first year, I was looking for a place to sit. I didn't know anybody in school, and there was this woman sitting in a chair with some people. I bounded over to her. I knew in my spirit. The rest of me did not understand, but I had learned how to like follow the spirit a couple, like a few times in my life, yeah. and this was one of those moments, and I just said yes. So I ran over to her and asked if I could sit next to her, directly next to her. And there were all these empty seats along the road. She was like, okay. I moved her purse out of the seat I wanted to sit in because yeah. I wanted to sit right. <laughs> Which, awesome. in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, I look crazy. So I sat next to her. Um, within the first two minutes, out of her mouth comes, I see evil. I know when people are lying. She starts describing deliverances she was part of in a ministry she was in another country. And I was like, oh, what the heck is happening? Because I didn't, you know, I didn't have a grip for that stuff. I, I was like, is this girl crazy? Is this real? Like, right. Wow, these students are weird, you know? Like, I didn't have a grid for what yeah. the I didn't know that she was super unique in that environment. Um, anyway, we sat next to each other for the rest of school together. Like, we did life together. We became really good friends. We had a bunch of common friends, whatever. She mentored me in discernment. So my mentor in Japan was gifted in discernment, walked me through some stuff. I didn't have a grid for it, so I couldn't receive as much from him during that space. Um, but then when I got to Bethel and met her, like, she, yeah, just really invested in me. Wow, um, we, wow, wow. We wrestled we fought so much. I don't know if wrestling is the right word. We fought all the time because she was so dominant and aggressive in her opinions about things, which in hindsight, we both looked back and like, yeah, that wasn't awesome. That could have been better. We both could have done things better, right? Sure, we're going sure, to first sure. We're losing our minds. Um, but it was so, and but what she was saying was so foreign to me. I could not track where she was coming from, how she knew these things, the audacity to say that about other people, about situations. Like it just, I didn't have a grid to really put that in my Christian box and it feel good, you know? Sure, yeah. So I got to work through even that cultural shift and mindset shift and all that. Uh, and it, a year and a half went in and we just, we worked it out, we wrestled. Um, there were moments that worked great, but there were things she could track and the way that she tracked them, I'm like, I do not know how you're doing this. I don't get it. Um, we stopped being friends for like five or six months maybe um, just because I needed a break. I was like, listen, I can't keep doing this. This is exhausting whatever. At the end of second year, I had like a 21 day period where multiple times a day, every day for 21 days, I don't know why. I'm not one of those people that mm -hmm. like, but that happened. These epiphanies or these revelations would hit me. I'm like, oh, this is what's going on in my life. This is why. And then the next immediate thought is, oh, and she told me this like 10 months ago. She told me this last year. Like just repeated confirmation. I was like, dang. And so I started, she'd constantly like expected me to be discerning and to pick this stuff up mm -hmm. and have a grid for it. And I just, I believed her, but I wasn't getting it. All of a sudden, you know, at that point, finally things started to click. And so I started taking risks and like applying what I thought I knew to my relationships and asking questions. I started saying no to evil in my relationships. I'm like, hey, I think this is going on or this is hitting me in a certain way. I don't love this. And I started finding language to express this. Wow. Because wow. I lied up to that point most of my life. Wow. I didn't realize, I wouldn't have called it that, but in yeah. sincerity, like I was being dishonest because no one around me was paying attention to the things that I was responding to. Like, like, cause I could feel when people were lying to me sure, and I could sure. experience like when stuff was twisted or when there was a motive there that had an, an ulterior motive or an agenda going on that wasn't awesome. And so I just constantly like learned how to pretend like what people were telling me was the truth. And I treated them as if that's what was going on. But sure. underneath I didn't 
like regard them like that in my heart and yeah. I constantly was guarded in that way um, because of the discernment piece and I didn't know that's what it was so when um, I started getting a grid and some language for what was happening to me and wow. realizing that this wasn't wow. just me judging people wow. and making stuff up but it was actually me responding to things in the spirit I had to experiment and test that quite a bit to prove this was in fact what was going on and after like I don't know the 17th 18th 19th conversation I was like this is spiritual. This is crazy. I thought it was just the way I processed the world. I didn't. I didn't realize this was discernment in action. And the biggest like takeaway for me was not just my own personal freedom. That was huge. But watching the radical transformation in people around me, everyone started saying the same thing. No one has ever told me this before. I know exactly what you're talking about. And right now, all these memories are flooding my mind of that very thing, and I never knew what to do with it. And so people started to shove me into this place where like, please tell me, what do I do? No one wow. has ever addressed wow. this in my heart. I've always felt alone here, and yeah. you see it. What is it? And I'm like, I don't know. And so I would do my best to try and like help them have some like tools or That's anything incredible. or whatever. But That's incredible. I was talking about the spirit, you know, like the things that people agreed with. I mean, there's so much agreement with the enemy in people's hearts because they don't know the Lord there. They haven't said yes to him in that place. And so the enemy was a, a, a sloppy like replacement or alternative. You wow. know? And so from wow. that, that stuff releases something in the spirit and yeah. then discernment can pick that up. Like anyway, so I just started finding language and how do I walk people through this stuff? And that was eight years ago you know <laughs> that's incredible finding language for what you're for what you're discerning because i think a lot of times one of the things i've noticed when it comes to discernment is that people tend to go either super aggressive yeah or they go just super passive, passive totally or they go super passive aggressive you know, uh, <laughs> totally. yeah so to be able to develop like an assertiveness and <clears throat> with a graciousness mm. um th that's very special and i, I imagine that's really what um, that's really what is flavoring a lot of the teaching that you're mm. doing is being able to discern, but then being able to articulate yeah. what you're sensing in a way where where it produces um, healthy relationships mm. and not just you know yeah. uh, blurting out what you're seeing and fracturing <laughs> relationships yeah. with that intel. You know? Totally, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's divisive, it's harmful, it's accusatory, it's condemning. If you don't discern things with the Lord, things can get really messy. The gift doesn't take care of it itself. Yeah, right? you need it's really good. the Spirit of the Lord to guide how your gift operates for sure. Have you noticed, man, like uh, I, I've seen people th that you could say that they're super prophetic. Mm. Um, they might say that they're super discerning. Mm. Um, it kind of cracks me up because my kids, I got a three-year-old, five-year-old and, and an eight-year-old and they wrote this song that goes, you are super prophetic, baby. So whenever I think super <laughs> prophetic, I was thinking of that song. We're, nice. we're hoping to turn into like a pop song. I and, like that. Uh, you know, the boy band, you know, girl, girl <laughs> band, I guess. But, um, like what I'm wondering is what like one of the things I've noticed is that sometimes when when people go through severe trauma um, as a child, almost almost to the point of death, and there's this point of just like having to survive like this this severe trauma, that it's almost like people develop the ability to read people mm. um, out of mere survival, mm. like in order to make sure that that I'm going to survive, mm. um, that ever had like I like so I I need to read you and read you quickly to know if you're somebody that I'm going to allow myself to get close to, mm. because I will. I will not let you take my life, right? Mm -hmm. Like so, I imagine a lot of this is subconscious, like running and running in the background. Mm -hmm. But I've known some people that that, that have been able to read people incredibly accurately, and um, and uh, but I've noticed kind of a, a theme or a trend there. So I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask you about yeah. that as far as when it comes to the. Uh, it's probably a question of like the difference between uh, discernment. And suspicion, mm. or uh, or is there a place where actually trauma can unlock 
even spiritual gifts? That's a great question. Fascinating, Darren. You've <laughs> done some research. I like it. It's um, not really research. It's more just like some stuff that that I've lived through just mm. through, you know, well, just I mean, doing... You've, you've paid attention yeah, and taken yeah, note and, like, yeah. observed, right? Yeah. Like, that's a specific thing you're looking at. That I, Yeah, that's fascinating. Sorry, research. Yeah, yeah, okay, work. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we all as human beings have spiritual sensitivity and i think that people who experience extreme trauma or pain or whatever probably tend to tap into some of that because they're motivated um they have a reason to like explore that aspect of their being i don't think they're doing it with their head yeah some other part of them is grabbing onto what's available to try and produce like some level of success in their environment based on what they're working against. Um, So I think that your ability to read somebody, there's a spiritual, we might call it intuition, right? That you can tap into um, that I think is straight up available to all of us. And I think a lot of people don't practice it because they don't need to. Yeah, sure. Life's fine. They're okay, right? Sure. So I think the trauma piece very much provides incentive. It causes people to be willing to do the work of going inward and paying attention and putting in the diligence because it does take practice. I don't know that I've ever been traumatized to the point of death or anything. I've had experience. I've experienced trauma as a kid. I think sure. um, when I hear other stories of trauma, I'm like, uh, is my trauma? I don't know, yeah, yeah, right? Because yeah. like, but not that to, to diminish my pain. But I think I definitely had motivation as a kid growing up uh, to explore this because of my relationships with my family. My my family, my parents are awesome, but just going through this stuff, I was always very sensitive, and so I didn't know what to do with a lot of what I picked up. And so I learned at a pretty young age, like, I don't think these people know the answer to what I need. I didn't have this in English in my head. I just kind of reacted that yeah, way. Yeah. So I went inward pretty early as well. And I think that's a big part of how I developed my awareness and sensitivity to these things. Obviously, going through BSSM and working with um, some people in particular that helped me get grid and language for what I was already like competent in. Um, so I think that people from trauma can tap into spiritual sensitivity and awareness. Um, I would say I would differentiate discernment from spiritual sensitivity. I think that um, discernment is a gift from the Holy Spirit. We have discernment in general, and then we've got the supernatural ability to distinguish between spiritual influences or spirits. And so in that, I think that the gift helps you identify what is this spirit? What is it not? What is it doing? How did it get here? It comes with that kind of ability to track. Uh, You don't just know all that right away. You have to hone your powers of discernment right through constant practice to be able to tell the difference between good and evil uh so that's talking about all of our general discernment but then it's Mm -hmm. also i think applicable to the gift of discernment you got to practice this thing you have to work out a relationship with how it operates because the gift will come with guidance instruction clarity warning all the things Mm -hmm. but if you react out of fear to what discernment is telling you you're not going to end in a place of like wholeness or like solution or benefit you'll just be tied up my discernment was a like I call it an affliction for most of my life. Like I was wow. bound up by that thing because I didn't know what was happening to me. Wow. So I couldn't like respond, let alone like help anybody else when I was so like buried by what discernment was doing to me, right? So I was like a victim. I'm putting the air quotes on that, but it felt that way. Like I felt like a victim to my gift and I thought there was something wrong with me. I didn't think I was crazy, but I knew something was off. I'm super moody, whatever. Um, so I do make a distinction between someone being a feeler and someone having the gift of discernment. I think um, the trauma piece, causes people to tap into a competency in that area. I think mm-hmm. everyone has the capacity to feel like feelers do. Sure. And some people I think go there because they have to, so they get good at it. It's um, more of a, for some people it's more of a luxury and then other people it's yeah. more of a necessity. Yeah. 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 And I would yeah. say like from my experience, what I've observed, I was born this way. I didn't like seek this thing out. 
maybe at a young age i just tapped into it perhaps um but i see it in my family line pretty pronounced i see a lot of people you know before me and around me in our family who are also moving in discernment and it's interesting like the way they used it and how they perceive the spirit is unique it's different than how i do but i do see a common thread of the ability to separate what's happening in the spirit realm and this is even with family members who don't know the lord i see them operating in it as well and and the way they think it's helpful or whatever which is so intriguing yeah so i think there's a gift that gets passed generationally from my experience i think that's true i see some of that in scripture where paul's talking to i want to say it probably barnabas oh i'm missing it right now but um yeah the gift of faith passed from his grandma to his mom to him right like watching this thing being passed i don't want to die on that hill i don't need to like convince anybody that's a thing but i think that that's a piece the other part is i think people can tap into it they can learn they can be trained in this and their spiritual senses can like be disciplined in this area to talk, to operate in supernatural ability the lord does provide so i think it's an interesting combination of both yeah no, that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> and and um i haven't actually gone through your course myself but our young adults have gone through it at seattle revival center they they loved it it's very uh helpful good Thank and, you. Um, and, and, and it's and it's super intriguing i mean what i love is i love that here you are um a very grace-based because yeah. a, a lot of stuff that comes out with discernment it's it's very um uh, I, I think it's very kind of like um, uh, uh, there's a lot of kind of fear-based mm. marketing behind it. You, <laughs> totally, you, you yeah. know. Uh, and so I like, and, and sometimes that fear-based stuff kind of develops more of a spirit of suspicion. Yep. Totally. And um, it comes with accusation and punishment as well, which are oh, interesting. Very contrary to the kingdom of the Lord. Yeah. He doesn't operate that way. So when your gift is used to do those things, you're actually working for the enemy. But yeah, it's very rampant in that conversation. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, and and now you're doing um a, a, another kind of ministry where it's it's kind of taking discernment, but it's kind of taking it to the next level. So it's kind of taking um this principle of discernment and then and then unpacking it kind of systematically with the Holy Spirit in order to see people get set free. Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. What, what's it called? What is it? look like you know <laughs> well i think we have a few can we do it right now <laughs> <laughs> you want to let's go um we have a few different expressions what's of the that? most shameful thing you've ever done <laughs> yeah, let's <totally>. start there <laughs> um yeah i think that your theology i think your relationship with the lord i think your willingness to follow him very much influence how you're going to operate in the discernment realm right the gift is there to separate what's happening in the spirit it is there to judge and that's really awkward for christians because we're taught not to judge that's jesus right. said right. don't judge right. lest you be judged right, right? the measure you use will be used against you that's like the one verse that every non-christian knows yeah right like don't the bible judge. says don't judge right totally. what's that at i don't know it says don't judge <laughs> yeah and i see christians do that as well like they totally. inadvertently totally. like accept that as a label or a standard and so they do judge they just don't talk about it they lie and pretend like they don't think totally. that thing or they, yep. have, they don't see it or whatever. Yep. I see a lot of dishonesty in Christianity. Yep. We're all very polite. We're really nice. Just we're dishonest. And I That's don't think true. people call it that. They think they're loving people. And I'm putting air quotes on that because that is not love. Right. And so I've got a huge, like, I've declared war on what a lot of people call love and trust in our culture. I'm like, that is not love or trust. When you look at the spirit of what you're doing, it's not love. It's yeah. not trust, right? That's it's a whole like different conversation. Love, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it's conditional and it's based on our our perception of morality and like right and wrong, not wow. based on the spirit wow. of God. And where does love come from? We can't come up with that stuff. We can do all the right stuff without love. You know. Anyway, um, so that's a that's huge good. piece of how you practice and exercise discernment in an environment. So I'm one of the beautiful. And this is something I teach pretty intensely. 
the most important thing to discern is the Lord, right? I'm the, the spirit of love. Um, and then the next most beautiful thing that I can discern in the spirit is the spirit of a person. Like what mm. God put into motion, what he said yes to, what he breathed life in, that has a frequency to it. That person has a certain expression. And so when people say yes to the enemy and they agree with what the enemy told them about who they are, how they're supposed to influence or what they're allowed to do or not, um, you can feel it because you can discern their spirit. And so anything that comes from not the Lord, not his design for them, comes with like a jagged output reader. Like it just, it's yeah. off. It throws you off. And they're not necessarily trying to lie to you, but as a discerner, it feels like they're lying because yeah. it's inauthentic to who they are. And you don't know that. Like I wish I, someone could have told me that as a kid. I wish I could have known the difference because I thought people were just lying all the time. And in, in the spirit, it's the same. They're all lying. Yeah. But they're not trying to. I don't think they're coming at this that's from a dishonest place. That's it's just, it's, they've said yes to something inferior. And so that's the only thing they know. And so they're trying to give you what they've learned and behaved in. Yeah. It's just not true. Right. Yeah. So it feels like lying. Anyway, so being able to discern who people are is so valuable in the thing you're describing when you're, at, you're talking about like, how do we um, help people get freedom in the discernment area? Um, we have coaching, so we call it um, spirit coaching, right? I've got coaches that work with me. We take clients, they work with us. The whole point is to help discern who are they? What are they made out of? What are they supposed to be like in their context, in their story, in their relationships? And then what are the things that they've said yes to that are coming against who they're supposed to be, what the Lord intended for them. Not some necessarily predestined, like required, like course of action, but more like an alignment and a submission to what the Lord has said about them in whatever context they're in. And so we work with people to help like identify what they've agreed with in the spirit, good or bad. Usually we like address the, the negative, not because we're afraid of Satan or what he does. He has no power in this, but when people believe him and they've accepted what he proposed in that area about them or whatever, then it is energized by their faith and then it produces and it kills them, right? It steals, it destroys, wow. right? It's, wow. it's like seed form. The enemy does that. And then when they agree, it has its effect, right? And so we definitely spend a lot of energy and time helping people recognize that stuff. And like usually once they see it, Ephesians 5.13 says anything exposed by the light becomes visible. Anything that's visible is light. And so when even the things that the enemy has touched and used against you in your own life, when that gets exposed and you see his hand all over it, you see it for what it is. It's not, a, you don't have to like rebuke him, bind him, you know, blow the shofar or whatever. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Once you notice it, the thing loses its power. When your heart actually recognizes the truth, the, the shift already happened. You don't have to make this happen. It's, I call it the dynamic of light. It just like strips the thing. Then you blow the shofar. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to blow the show for man, just blow the show yeah, yeah. And sometimes that is appropriate. I don't want to like knock yeah. that entirely. I have a value for the thing is what I'm going to go after is agreement. Come if the on, Lord says to on. do whatever, then do it. You want to align doing yourself. These, uh, face to face but do you also do these things online most like, of our most of the clients we work with are online actually really? so they're like other places yeah is it a set amount of is it a set amount of hours or is it kind of like an ongoing kind of coaching yeah, process it depends like on the you're person. my coach and we're yeah, doing like, life together yeah well yeah, it depends on the person. So it depends on what they're coming for. So some people just want to fix this thing in their finances or in their marriage or whatever. Yeah. Some people want someone to be in their boat for a long term and to just help them walk through shifting multiple things in their life. I think that's the more ideal approach. I think that's where we're most effective. Yep. Having a coach kind of walk alongside you on a regular basis successively, yep. right? I think people see the most radical breakthrough and like transformation. We call it fruit that remains, Jesus describes. I think they're actually able to get something that will stick around by having a coach go with them through many different what things. Are, yeah. What are some 
some red flags? Like, what are some things that people might be thinking or feeling that are red flags where it's like, hey, some coaching would probably be good? Yeah. Um, if you start noticing cycles or patterns of behavior or choices that you can't get out of that you know you don't want, um, that you wished your life could be different, but you cannot see a way out, like, I'm like, hey, you need a coach. Because I would say a spirit coach, because that person is going to help you identify, like, turn the light on to see why this room is getting like, destroyed the way that it is you can see the perpetrator in the room once the light turns on that's awesome so i think that's a huge one another one would be great example thank yeah. you yeah. yeah um another one would be like when you continue to recognize a narrative in your life in your in your head even your heart where there's a voice saying things like you suck you're not enough that'll never happen you can't have that yeah everyone else can but you can't that kind of stuff people don't usually realize that's not them. If you're a born again believer, it is unnatural for those things to be coming up. It's not coming from you, it's not coming from the Lord. It's the enemy, and it's because you've agreed with him in that place that that voice gets to speak to you. And I'm not gonna make this like a big, like, oh, you need deliverance. I don't know if that's necessarily true, Sure. but a lot of people identify with that voice, and so they don't think that there's an enemy involved. They think that they just have brokenness or an issue to work out, and I'm like, nope, I'm blowing the whistle. This is not your issue. The problem is you believe a voice that's there to destroy your life, and you think it's you. The biggest thing he's got on you is you think that's you yeah and once you recognize it's not you and we can help you separate who you are from all the other junk that's going on it's not hard the difficulty is being able to admit what if you're actually not that broken yeah what if you're not that trapped wow what if you're not wow. that powerless wow you know what i mean yeah and it takes guts it takes faith it takes courage to be willing to meet the lord there but if you're willing to oh my god everything changes yeah it's fascinating as a man thinks in his heart so is he yeah yeah Totally. All right, let's take a break real quick. Okay, is that okay? I, yeah. gotta, I gotta pee. <laughs> nice. so, so, Mike, you got like a team of thirty-five people. Is that right? Yes. And you guys are doing all you guys are doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> but one of the, one of the things that you're really passionate about is um, creating like a culture of discernment or create yes. discernment cultures. Yeah. So let's, let's dive into that. What, is, yeah. what does that look like? Man, I don't really know how else to live life. You know what I mean? This is something I was doing my whole life, but after my renaissance of just like whoa i can help other people and they can they recognize this stuff people know what i'm talking about you know like i'm not crazy and it's actually like resonating and translating to them i was like maybe they could tap into this too so i've spent the last uh, seven years intentionally working with people in my environment in my community like to change their perspective and attitude about what's going on interpersonally well, socially well. all the things because the thing is like we all like to think about church and ministry as like a compartmentalized part of our life and then when we're having fun or hanging out with friends like we're off duty or whatever. Totally. No one tries to do it. It just kind of happens. But the thing is, like, when you're hanging out, when you're watching a movie, when you're playing games, when you guys are going on a walk, when you're going to meals, whatever, the spirit world didn't turn off. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't, <laughs> right. you didn't clock out of right. the spirit realm. That right. stuff's still happening. And right. I think that's actually a hotbed for where a lot of agreements get made. People say yes to stuff that they wouldn't otherwise because of relationships in their life, because of the, what this person means to them or because of what they said yes to or how they taught them. Well, I think a lot of our agreements are imparted to us we learn them from other people most people learn a ton of uh, like spiritual agreements from their parents like it's not just social conditioning you know what i mean it's like you're actually tapping into things in the spirit your parents tapped into which will go beyond seasons it'll go beyond social conditioning or whatever right wow. anyway so as we go after that as a community we have a lot of values that got us like that popped up i didn't mean for this to happen it just became pretty evident these are necessary mm -hmm. one of them that's pretty obvious that's not popular <laughs> for yeah. people in general is we have a culture of confrontation where i actually expect people in my environment and i've demonstrated this to call people out not to accuse them not to punish them not get mad at them you might get mad but you process through it and then you come to the person and you address like hey this freaked me out hey this hurt my feelings hey this sucked for me hey i don't i don't like this we have those conversations and there's a whole protocol that we go through it's not like a one two three step situation it's more 
more of a heart posture where we're very invitational. We follow curiosity. Like these are values in our culture um, where you expect and believe the person that you're with, whoever they are, whatever you do discern about them, you believe that they are that person. And if they operate outside of that, if you pick up anything from the enemy, they need you to say something, to point it out, not to, to police them by any means, but to invite them back into the light. This is very biblical. Paul instructs us in multiple different ways how to win That's our awesome. brother over, right? So we definitely practice and go after that. That's good. Huge, really huge good. part of how we like, yeah, walk it out. Yeah, yeah. culture co- confrontation. That's always good, except for when there's just one guy in the culture yeah. that does all the confronting, and uh, then you're like, dude, you're uninvited from the culture. <laughs> of, of conf- yeah. Let's get some other people invited. Right. Well, and, when we, what I found is, as what people, the heck, dude? <laughs> what the heck? Like, don't what the heck me, dude? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when people are empowered, like, oh, what the heck no you, one dude? gets. No one gets away with that. They don't get right. to just like run amok. You know yeah. what I mean? And we've got a couple of people in our environment who are stronger. They're more dominant and aggressive. They're in check. They're not like cool. punished. That's they're really not cool. blacklisted. You know, like they're invited into, hey, you don't get to treat people like that. This, What's the deal here? And then they get to look at it and everyone gets to embrace humility or offense. And there's a constant choice there. And we all get to navigate Man, that. Man, so neat. I know that in Seattle, uh, we partner with a couple of different um, missions and shelters. And, um, and the uh, Union Gospel Mission in Seattle has just an incredible, um, a success rate in seeing people get set free off wow. of drugs on so talk about high grace culture right yeah. like you have you have people coming right out of prostitution homelessness severe addiction um, and so it's, it's a high grace culture but it, it's also an incredibly assertive mm. culture yeah. where there's a lot of confrontation there has to be because right. the only way you can sustain a high grace culture is to have such a value for healthy conflict resolution yeah and so i mean i think that i think that's amazing yeah thank yeah. you yeah i've yeah. seen a lot of fruit from it i'm like i if i were to leave here and start over the whole different group of people so that's like a, a thing that you guys do you actually go into an organization or to culture and to and and teach how how this looks and how to do it in a healthy way yes i'm working on having more and more people on my team be able to step into that conversation but yes we do i, I especially awesome. do that but yeah. yes, some of my people do it with me yeah that's great that's great very cool. Very, very all right. Um, now um, let's talk about the your your love and passion for business or yeah. or the marketplace yeah. and and seeing people uh, uh, begin to run with that or maybe even seeing people in the marketplace and they're they're not being fruitful. There's not a lot of effectiveness. Or, yeah. So um, uh, I imagine you're you're helping entrepreneurs on all sorts in all sorts of different spheres and levels. Yes. Um, but where does that love and passion kind of where where does that come from? Yeah, I think that I've been an entrepreneur from a pretty young age. When I was in third grade. I sold erasers to my classmates. <laughs> I found out the the student store sold them for a lot cheaper than any of us knew, and I would just charge a certain like a more more for profit, right? Um, and I managed it, and I like marketed it, and I helped people realize the value here. And so I like was running a little side business there until my bo- my teacher caught wind of it, and then the government shut it down. You know, just like I my business got taken away from <laughs> that's me. Awesome. <laughs> but, that's but awesome. I learned something there. Yeah. Um, but I also, in hindsight, I'm like, wow, that's actually really indicative of me. That's been in my life. That's been in me my whole life. So I couldn't like quite get on board with the way school was or just traditional employment. It never made sense to me. I couldn't figure out how people allowed this to be such a long-term solution. I was like, how can you live this way? It just never computed for me. And so I get that that's not normal or common, but I'm actually finding it's a lot more common than people like to talk about. Anyway, so, um, 25, when I was 25 years old, I started like really going after, okay, what would it look like for me to be an entrepreneur? And I started following a bunch of other entrepreneurs on social media that were doing what I wanted to do. Like yeah. they were living the life I wanted to live. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be that person. Cause I didn't want to just go to churches. I didn't want to do the circuit of conferences talking to the same Christians on sure, repeat. You know what sure, I mean? I wanted sure. to talk to people who 
were looking for answers and solutions, whether they called Jesus Lord or not. I wanted to like help them and watch them encounter the truth and see the Holy Spirit invade, and then even see people come to Jesus because of that. That's awesome. I have a huge. I mean, I think there's an evangelistic part of me in that. Um, I've always loved the secular environments I worked in growing up. Yeah. I had such a passion watching people experience the love and the truth of God. And accountability in that place and then being hungry for it and being responsive and desiring it. And I've seen that across the board. Everybody wants Jesus. They're offended with Christianity or yeah. people or messes or whatever, right? Um, I mean, I'm not saying everyone – anyway. So good, in that, um, I started like dabbling in entrepreneurship myself, taking risks, casting my lot. And then um, and when I was 29, I – had three or four different side hustles that grew past my main salary as a full-time employee. So I quit my job at 29, those few years ago, and uh, have been self-employed ever since. And I'm super passionate about the entrepreneurship thing because I think the traditional model of employment is not um, setting people up for success, long-term especially, but I think especially my biggest problem with that system is it encourages people not to think. It encourages them not to dream, to like let go of hoping and like exploring and having faith. I'm not saying that's true across the board. I'm saying I see that as a like a pretty common theme. Yeah, totally. And especially for myself when I was under it, I was like, I'm not rewarded to dream. I'm not rewarded to like think outside the box, to be creative in my solutions, problem solving. Like that's not, and I'm not incentivized to do that. I'm paid for the position I hold in a structure and. I, you know, and so it just feels really limited, and it feels to me like it's contrary to the nature of the Lord. And if people can do better than this, why wouldn't they? And I see a lot of them not choosing it, and I think it's because they just don't know any better. So I feel very passionate about waking up people and being like, hey, there's a whole other option here. I'm not saying it's the only one, but this thing actually incentivizes you to be creative, to, to be exploratory, to be curious, to take risks, to be brave. And I want those attributes in people. I mean, cowardice is not in the kingdom, and we see a lot of it you know, all over the place. And it's just so inappropriate. It's sinful to be, a, to be fearful. It's not okay. And a lot of us accept it in certain ways. It's like socially acceptable. I'm like, this is crazy. You can't, and I'm not trying to say everyone, you know, you're sitting, if you're not an entrepreneur, I'm saying if you're hiding from life, you're not trusting Jesus. And that I have a problem with, right? So anyway, I'm, I'm thinking of the, the, the lion in uh, the wizard of Oz with a little bow in his hair. <laughs> You know, okay, yeah, you know, totally. and, and can't roar. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like the, the, the poor lion, like just prancing down the yellow. Yeah. There's so many domesticated cats <laughs> running around. I'm like, you're so much more than the that. little bows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. So I want to go and just snip the bows off everybody. That's awesome. Like, hey, yeah. It's time to roar. It's time to like eat, you know, it's time yeah. to hunt. Go make stuff happen. Awesome. Like the Lord put desires in you. That's awesome. They're not just going to happen. You've got to go hunt. You know what I mean? You don't earn this from the Lord. You go agree with him. You go prove to the world that he's right, that you trust and believe him regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what people say. Like you get to go demonstrate what intimacy with him looks like and the monument gets erected and maybe it's a business, maybe it's a move in a ministry. I don't care, but go pursue that. Don't just let someone pay your bills and be dependent on them for the rest of your life on what's possible. Like that, I have a big problem with that. You know, just the heart posture and the attitude there. I'm not saying employees being employee is wrong or bad. I'm saying I think it's a temporary solution for you to get to where you're supposed to with what the Lord's asking of you. And I hope this is burning in people's hearts right now. I'm like, <laughs> hey, man, you're going for it. It's real. No, it's it's awesome. a thing. It's like, awesome. You're not crazy. There's something there. You're accountable to it. The measure, the talents you've been given, there needs to be an increase. You got to like multiply that sucker. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, we started. Go ahead. I was going to say ministry is interesting, right? Yeah. Because on one hand, when, when you're in ministry or you're a minister, you're basically self-employed as far as the government 
that's concerned. Right. Um, but it's different than being self-employed because if you're a self-employed entrepreneur, um, you have a certain set of wins that are going to uh, determine if you're successful or not. Totally. And usually that's determined by your profit, yeah. your profitability as as, as a company. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily the case in, in ministry because in ministry, your 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 declaration is as a nonprofit, mm. right? right? And so a lot of a lot of guys go into ministry thinking I, I'm a nonprofit organization. So it, th- there's almost like this subconscious defeater that's right. like that that's almost like if I'm in ministry, I'm not allowed to profit, or right. it's like illegal for me mm. to profit. And I, totally. When I was I was in the marketplace before I became a pastor, I was uh, uh, all my jobs were commission based nice. jobs. So if I needed to make more money, I knew how to do that. Yeah. And for me, it was really a, a difficult transition coming into being a lead pastor yeah, at 27 <laughs> because I remember uh, I I, ho- I don't know if I asked our board of elders this question or not but I remember thinking like okay so this is how much money I'm making right now alright so I could always control my income I've always had full control of my income and now for the very first time ever I, I don't have control of my income but I, I wanted to figure it out where's the volume knob on right in ministry yeah, right. when it comes to income and that's an awkward question to ask yeah. and it was almost like so how, do, how does church world work like is it by church size like like in order for my salary to be here does the church have to be this big or like those are like questions that i was and those are things that they don't really talk about yeah. in bible school you yeah know? totally but it is weird because when you're a, a lead path like a lot of guys when they go into ministry, they think that pastors just preach. But no, you have to have a business savviness if you're going to run, if you're going to be in it, regardless if you have an executive pastor or whatever else, right? So there needs to be kind of, there needs to be more entrepreneurs, I think, in, yeah, in the church. Totally, and there needs to be more church people being entrepreneurs. Yeah. but it's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating conversation. Yeah, you know? I totally agree. I have such a huge passion for that. I think we need. Way it's a weird more. kind yeah. of conversation though, because people freak out. Like, if you're a businessman, you're allowed <laughs> to talk about income and profitability. Mm, interesting. But it's like, if you're in the church and you start talking about profitability and income, people are like, "Oh, you're one of them," you know? Yeah. Which is a stigma <laughs> that's like this is not based on truth or facts. This is based on like offense right, and perception right. and you know totally so we actually at new we've expanded a whole new branch we call it nouveau riche rebranding like a city term nouveau riche it's a french term it actually is derogatory for like people who generate wealth in their own generation wow old money looks down on them because they're unrefined they're new to the game whatever that's cool I'm like that's awesome how that's many people cool. were not handed wealth in their lifetime but could generate it now especially in the time that we live so i wanted to take that term and you know move it over from that's derogatory cool. to really being cool. like yeah provocative and like empowering yeah so we are we have a whole i have a whole crew on my team dedicated to helping people who have an interest or a value for stepping into the entrepreneurship world but maybe haven't done it before don't have any grid for it don't know where to start we have an event coming up in november called entrepreneurship and it's for people who just haven't actually stepped into that stuff yet and we're going after how can we equip and empower these people starting with their beliefs there's so much offense and like ignorance and bitterness there that's not real it's not based on truth and it is not productive it's not adding life to people so like hey let's change that stuff and then once you don't have satan whispering in your ear about money what's possible what is the lord doing there what if you weren't just running this off your own understanding what if you were open to something deeper than this what if god wants you to have more than you know what to do it so you can be a resource and a blessing you know so that's awesome yeah that's amazing and we'll make sure that we put um in the show notes links to all of these these resources because i know that people are gonna be listening to this being like i want it (laughs) like i need that oh man yeah i need a coach and then i need to get my (laughs) This is off the ground, right? Totally. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that that's amazing. All right, now um, I I I found out about you from your discernment course, but then mm. of course the next follow up was, and you've got to check out his YouTube channel mm. uh, because Mike is doing this like movie review thing yeah. on 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 YouTube, mm. and the very first uh, movie that I saw you review was it. <laughs> Stephen, oh Stephen King's yeah. It, you know, about the clown. Yeah. So I thought Penny you were going to be like, like especially being the discernment guy, I thought you were going to be like, you know. Like, Run away. Like, yeah, stay away Demons. from this movie. You know, As you know, Stephen King is filled with with, with, with the host of Hades. And, yeah, you know, like, right. like, I thought you were just going to be shredding it. But you were, you were so fair. And um, and in your assessment of the movie was was just wonderful. It's just very refreshing. Was just very refreshing. <laughs> and so I love your perspective. I love the way that you think and see things mm. and deconstruct things. And and so, d- dude, how how did that? Uh, at what point were you like, you know what YouTube needs? YouTube needs like a discernment based movie reviewer. <laughs> you know, like how did that? Like how did that happen? Yeah, great question. I, so going to the movie theater is actually quite an ordeal for me. It used to be way more than it is now, but it's still a thing. Going to any public place with a bunch of other people where you sit in a room for a couple hours and they have an emotional experience is drama for anybody who can pick this stuff up in the spirit. Wow. Right, it's stuff's coming up. Their agreements are flooding that room, and it's so. I used to have to go on walks every You're time. You're like. Ah! Yeah, but I don't. I typically wouldn't notice till after the movie was over, and then I'm like, <gasps> and like the world just goes dark and everything's wrong, and I need to get away from everybody and don't wow. talk to me. Yeah, that happened all the time. I think a lot of people. Dude, actually, I think you and I are probably complete opposites in this really? way. Like I'm what? so naive in, oh. in, a lot, in a lot of these things. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, that must be really nice for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I used to have to go for a walk all the time afterward and just like process like what. It's, so it's incredible. I, it's I incredible. learned how to just like go over the movie with the Lord and just like celebrate what I liked, yeah. like reflect on what I appreciate, whatever was good, noble, true, lovely, whatever. I would think on those things with the Lord and reflect on that wow. stuff. And as I did, all the things that were trying to get at me from the theater left. I didn't have to bind anything or like cast anything out or would rebuke sure, anything. Sure. I just commune with the Lord and it, yeah, took my shofar out of the woods and just danced right now. But as I just drew to the near near to the Lord and like we enjoyed the intimacy we share and I just looked at the movie with him, all the other stuff went away. But I had to, I didn't know how to do that. Anyway, um, it was actually a fascinating experience rated R. I was I went to go see it with a buddy of mine because I thought that movie traumatized me as a kid. It turns out it was actually like Clowns from Space or something that actually traumatized me. It wasn't. <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> but I thought Clowns it was from it. hell. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Part four. So I went and saw that movie and I was shocked because when I left the theater, I felt so clear. I felt so unencumbered. There wasn't any sludge getting on me. I was like, what the heck is going on? I don't I feel oddly awesome right now. And I was just want I just watched a rated R like movie of a demonic clown trying to kill a bunch of children a lot of expletives a lot of violence darkness how do i feel this way right i'm the discernment guy of course you would think oh, of course i'd walk out sludge and it wasn't the case i was like why is that? i got to reflect like there was so much hope and camaraderie and victory and overcoming in that movie through that was the main theme it wasn't fear it was hope and it was overcoming and courage wow. and i was like whoa and it was friendship and wow and the bad guy was so explicit the whole time you never wondered who the bad guy was you never wondered who the good guy was it was never in question and so in actually spiritually the lines were very clean and so when you walk away from the spiritual discernment piece i wasn't watching that movie through my own lens and filters and offenses i was watching it according to my awareness of the spirit realm and i walked away with a clean bill i'm like this is fascinating you know what i mean because people judge according to the flesh absolutely and and that's so heinous like it's not what's going on when you look at the spirit of something you could have a rom-com that's actually sludgy and disgusting and it looks all like you know, pretty and fine, but underneath of it, it's it's gross. That's right. right. So, anyway, it's like not about the rating or the the genre. It's about the spirit behind it. You wow, know. Wow! 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 Um, 
Okay, I just want to. So obviously, there's a there's like a deep love for film. Oh yeah, I love movie. I love. I'm a human being. I love story. Right. I mean, I guess maybe I love more than other people, but I think movies are fascinating and there's such an interesting mechanism in our culture. Sorry, you asked me a question I didn't answer. Spirits in the theater came from. I was teaching in my discerning spirits class at BSSM, and I was talking about the movie theater experience and just trying to like help people get a grid for it practically. Where does yeah. this stuff play out? How does this actually pertain to you know normal life? And there was a. Someone in my class, like I think the next, the second or third year I taught it, who worked in the film industry, and she came up to me and she was like, I said, I think I made a statement, the movie theater is the new temple. I didn't wow. mean to make a big, like I wasn't supposed to be this wow. big deal, but I was just like, hey, you guys, this is where people are getting agreements on a regular basis. They go there weekly, they like have it's a true. huge value for this and their rhythm. They would never step in the foot of a church, but they go to the theater all the time and they're being taught, like they're being indoctrinated, what's good, what's bad, their morality, you know, whatever. So she came up to me and she's like, oh my God, when you said that, She's like, this is a big deal. And when you talk about movies, this is a thing. You need to make a show. And she just kind of went, I was like, what? And so that kept being a conversation. Eventually, we executed this last year. So like a, a little over a year now, like shooting that stuff. And the whole point was just talking about what was happening behind the scenes. Because I think everyone is experiencing this. They're just not conscious of it. They're not aware. I went to a movie last night with my girlfriend. We were watching Gemini Man. And I don't want to give anything away. But um, there's a scene that happened. Specific characters having a certain dialogue. Um, no spoilers. But... It's not a spoiler, but anyway, um, five minutes later, I looked at her and I was like, and I could tell like that scene, whatever. I looked at her and I was like, the room just shifted five minutes ago. She's like, really? How? And I could feel it because I could feel myself getting pulled into the ground. I was like, this sucks. I usually don't, I don't always catch it in sure, the middle. Sometimes sure. I do. Usually I catch it after, but I caught it in the middle. She's like, what happened? I was like, what does it feel like? I was like, hmm. I thought about it for a second. I was like, sadness. It's sadness. And then she's like. I might be adding to that. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I, I got sad five minutes ago. And she's like, I was like, oh, it, was, it wasn't just her. I think the room, like people, human beings, when they watch a character, you're go partnering with that. <laughs> like, oh. well, it's not even necessarily like yeah. they're partnering with it. It's that they're, it's being proposed to them and they're yeah. like considering it. And so that thing actually affects an atmosphere. Wow. And so you can pick that up. And so whether you're conscious of it or not, doesn't mean you're not picking it up. You know what I mean? And I think people go see a movie and their review of a movie is actually based on the theater, the atmosphere of the theater, not the movie itself. There's so many times where our perception of how good or bad a movie was, was based on the people we watched it with and not even their reaction. It was the atmosphere. Some people aren't that way. They're not spirit, spiritually aware, so they just observe and assess, you know, analytically. But a lot of times, I think people have a very biased opinion about a movie based on the atmosphere they're in when they watched it, not necessarily just the film itself. I'm not saying it's they don't. Sure, yeah. sure. So that's such a fascinating like dynamic there that I think is going on. And so the whole point of Spirits in the Theater, that um, series on my YouTube channel, is just talking about and just trying, trying to raise, raise some awareness on what we actually experience when we watch movies. What are we looking for? What do you want to pay attention to? You know, what's actually going on there? And how do you actually like say yes to the Lord in the midst of whatever you're watching? Whatever yeah. the rating, whatever the genre, yeah. you know? Have you, uh, have you seen Joker yet? I have not. It's are you, my, it's are my, you gonna see it? Yeah, yeah. Of course, I'm gonna see that movie. Are you kidding? I'm like, what's gonna happen? What, what I've heard some things. I'm like, I'm prepared for it to be kind of dark. But yeah, I want to yeah. see like how they portray this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to see it too. <laughs> yeah, really bad. And then like Christians will hear both this kids and, with four kids. Oh, yeah, man. I just totally. don't. I don't get to the temple very often anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh! No. <laughs> we got a lot of strong opinions from Christians, especially on what's okay and what's not okay, and they just right. created a whole other law in wow, this area. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's actually not biblical for you to have that attitude or perspective and some people can see a movie and other people shouldn't you know based on totally. where they're at or whatever yeah but at the end of the day like and i felt this way for most of my life the holy spirit 
as occupied as I am with him, whatever's coming at me doesn't have a chance, really. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm saying it's very slim. And so like, I'm not afraid of like the horror genre. I don't love horror. I love thrillers, though. I don't love horror. I'm not afraid of horror, though. Like, and a lot of people like don't want to watch it because sure. they're afraid. Sure. Um, and they think that it's like evil and you're opening a door to hell and all this stuff. And I'm not saying you can't, but I'm not saying that's already like a given. That's not just guaranteed. You can watch whatever and not be affected by it depending on what's going on with you and the Lord. You know what I mean? And so like that's a weird thing that I think a lot of people feel very opinionated on. And I think that I can get like crucified for some of that stuff. But I'm like, I mean, I can pretend for your sake and try and act like a Christian or I could follow the Lord and not come under your rules and like experience what he's doing. You know, <laughs> totally. um, I don't want to be a stomach block by any means, obviously. So I'm not trying to like, I'm not going to die on this hill, but like we've got a lot of like uh, religion and like superstition when it comes to like movies and stuff. And I'm not saying they don't affect you. They do. But what I'm after is, can you grow in your awareness and your competency in navigating those things where you could even still watch something not great and recognize what's happening and take it to the Lord and it not turn your life into a nightmare. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, I love, I love just how you're watching movies and how you're, you're practicing your spirituality. Cause like you said, a lot of people separate, like right. I'm going to the theater. So I'm going to turn off my discernment now yeah. so that I can actually enjoy this movie, <laughs> you know, <laughs> totally. versus you're just practicing practicing the presence of the Lord and, and, and practicing what you're learning in the spirit and all that. Um, I think, I, I, I think it's fascinating and definitely would encourage people to check out your YouTube channel because it's going to help them. I think even be able to process, uh, actively and presently mm. going through movie instead of just opening yourself up and just receiving everything. Yeah. Which I think a lot of times we do just in the name of escapism, right. You know, which is uh, not a good idea. I'm not condoning that for the record. Yeah. Cause it not becomes advisable. like you, you, sometimes we watch a movie in the same way that you would, uh, take a drag off of a cigarette. You just, I need this, totally. you know? Yep. And, wow. uh, and so, uh, so I think any way that we can just stay active and stay present and stay participating with the presence of the Lord, yeah. I, I think. And so you're, you're kind of teaching people how to do that as you process through these different reviews, which yeah. is really interesting. It's a way of life. And one of the things I'm tackling right now, I'm a little nervous about it because yeah. it's hard to talk about. Yeah. But um, the idea of being spirit led, we are a very intellectual culture, right? We're Western yeah. right, in our yeah. mindsets. And so a lot of us consult our brains when we're praying rather than talking to the Lord because we don't know how to like lead from the spirit we don't know how to live from that place and so when i'm talking about doing this in a movie theater it's not like i'm sitting there trying to make it happen <laughs> it's a way of life and i'm learning how to become aware of and function from somewhere else besides my brain you know um and actively trying to find language to help other people tap into that where we actually learn how to live from the spirit you don't turn it off when you go to the theater the lord doesn't leave you at the entrance and you pick up your relationship again when you leave like he's in there with you and so you experience I and mean, that's true for everything that you get to commune with him in all of the things even if there's corrupted stuff in it the lord hasn't left and so how does he relate with you in that stuff you know no, that's awesome that's yeah. awesome we're gonna be going on to hollywood actually so we're driving tonight nice. uh and we're gonna be doing two days of podcast with with various influencers awesome. there in the area not necessarily um uh, I really wanted to get hold of a, a screenplay writer, and so I had a guy. He's not. He's 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 actually a Muslim guy, and uh, he's done some incredible stuff. He's been nominated for a, a Golden Globe and Emmy. He's actually in Jerusalem right now, so he wasn't able to do oh, it. Oh dang! And because uh, I I'd love to chat with some uh, some legit yeah. screenplay writers yeah. regarding. Um, the like the kind of the moral responsibility of a screenplay writer like is the idea just to get butts and seats or is there a, is there a responsibility to have some sort of redemptive um 
you, you know. Yeah. So, I, so I, and then I, I also uh, met a gal that worked for Francis Ford Coppola and would read scripts before he'd go to his desk. And so both of those are going to have to be maybe 2020 conversations. Okay. I bring all that up because for a guy that sees, you know, that watches a lot of movies and then re- reviews them, you you can kind of begin to sense different patterns totally. that are that are occurring even within with on with the, from the big screen to the little screen. Uh, my question is is do you feel like there there is like a redemptive or restorative bent that's starting to come to entertainment or or do you, or do you feel like um that there still is like this sort of depravitist kind of bent in it and everything and what's your own kind of yeah you know what, what are you kind of sensing and discerning is it the clashes of of two sides or you know yeah totally it i've actually wanted this um recently is it becoming more redemptive or have I just started noticing this more now? Has okay. it always been this way? I don't know. I think it might actually be it. There's a lot more intelligence and awareness now than there was before. Um, but something that I think is fascinating about that conversation is there are people who are making movies for whatever the motive or whatever. But I think a lot of them, I think Hollywood, especially okay. Error aside, delusion, craziness, nasty, whatever aside from Hollywood. So I'm not condoning any of the craziness. Sure. I think there's a lot of sincerity coming from people in the film industry trying to make a statement, you know, about social norms or societal pressures or whatever, where legitimately there's something in them crying out for freedom, Hmm. crying out for understanding, for compassion, for mercy. They don't know how to say it like that. And they might even take up an aggressive, like combative attitude to fight the, even like a religious thing or like a moral, like oppression that people felt like they were trapped by or whatever. And so I actually see a lot of sincerity and beauty in as heinous as their expression and attempt might look, a desire for wholeness and freedom and not being like trapped by someone else's demands on your life. I, th- I see a lot of that coming from Hollywood that I have. A, I think is the Lord that is His nature. He is like that. Oh, sorry. Um, I think that there's um, a perversion of like, oh, freedom means we have no morals. We have no. You, you don't get to judge me. Or whatever. And that's not true. So I think we can step into a lot of weirdness, but. I think I see a lot of sincerity of like wanting to break out of like restriction and restraint and um, like condemnation and punishment and accusation that is very kingdom in spite of all the other weird stuff. I see that rampant throughout, especially like like Disney and Pixar. They've got a lot of that going on, but like in Hollywood in general, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of ugly stuff too, right? But I do see that, and that's real, and it's powerful, and it's necessary. And I think that Hollywood has a, has a has had a huge influence in our culture in that way. And I love that. There's been a lot of error, right? I'm not saying Hollywood has done yeah, a great job yeah, of influencing yeah. us, but there are things in there that are super valuable, and they are kingdom. And so um, in that, I think there's a lot of redemption, and I think that that's a very influential place to be creating. I think that it is affecting culture. There are whole generations that had a certain attitude or thought about something because of a movie. They all adopted it immediately. It was a no-brainer. They all People wouldn't go into the water for the longest time because of Jaws, right? <laughs> right, right, um, right? People have these ideas about salesmen or rich people based on the memes and tropes in movies. Like, right. the bad guy's always the rich dude and the poor guy's the hero, right? right That's right, a huge right. meme throughout most of the movies we see. And so there's a, a rampant attitude in our culture of rich people are corrupt and whatever, and then the poor people are the underdog. We got to take care of them. And that's actually not true in reality. It's often on the big screen. It's not real. And by and large, statistically, a lot of the wealthy people I've met are some of the most integrity-filled, generous, compassionate, upstanding people. And I've met a lot of poor people who have very corrupt morals and are not heroic at all. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying it's because they're rich or poor. I'm saying that like measurement isn't doesn't ma- like 
plan out. It doesn't work. It's not true. But we see it very pronounced because it sells. People are buying it, you know? Anyway, am I answering your question? Yeah. Okay. I mean, can, uh, it would be kind of a funny, I, I don't know, like, I, I could say a kind of a comedy, like, right, where the, where the rich people are the nice people and they're the heroes and then the poor people <laughs> are... That would be really weird. I don't think people would watch it. They'd be like, "What the heck?" And they'd just get would bash. It would get bashed so bad. One of <laughs> it would not do well, probably. You know, because the majority then of the it's audience a musical. Is, <laughs> you know, like the rich people are super sincere. Like, <laughs> we love everybody. We're rich, rich, rich. You know. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that would be awesome. It would. It would tank. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, it would, would not go it well. Would. One other thing I want to point out in the movie conversation. Sorry, do you want to say something? No, no, no. Oh, one more thing I want to point out in the movie conversation is there is a. It's subtle, but I can feel it, and it's it's forced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a moral narrative that comes through movies, through Hollywood, especially from the left, right, from the yep. liberal side of things. Um, it was very obvious to me when I watched that movie with Mark Wahlberg and um, Rose Byrne. I forget. They, like, adopt three kids in the foster care system, and then I forget what it was called, like families i don't remember anyway yeah that is just an example it happens yeah. all the time yeah where these morals are portrayed and established as a standard where you're it's a sh it's shameful to not want this thing it's shameful to want this thing it's amazing to want this thing yeah. and they formulize lifestyle choices or attitudes and they lock people into a certain argument and you you're good if you believe this you're bad if you don't right that's not how the spirit realm works at all and it's actually very vindictive and demonic in nature it's gross and we see it in politics a lot obviously but I, you see that in movies and i'm like oh this is and it grates against me so intensely when i see it when i experience it because i'm like it's disgusting and people have no idea it's happening and it is shaping what they think is right or wrong in the world and it is going to lead them into bondage and it sucks and if like a, a whole population believes this it is going to have negative adverse effects on our life you know like and that's awful and so i see that coming from hollywood as well which i hate i hate it it's awful wow I mean, yeah that's really good you know. it's, it's actually really good and also being able to probably even host those kinds of conversations even with our kids totally. like when you when you're able to discern a kind of this um an agenda or an, a worldview that's mm. trying to be locked down onto mm. your, you know, onto your construct. Totally. You'd be able to be able to spot that and teach your kids how to spot that. Because yeah, I think that uh, that you're right. That, that happens a lot of times. We'll 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 feel it. We'll sense it. We'll discern it. We'll be like, okay, yeah, I'm not into that, and then we'll just kind of move on. But without realizing perhaps the reprogramming, you know, mm. that, that's taking place in, in that in that in that place. So that's, yeah. that's really good. Yeah, Mike, you're awesome. Thank you. Yeah, Sorry. appreciate this conversation. <laughs> Hit on so many different things but man i just love what you're doing love how you think and also just this conversation which is really an invitation for people um uh that are resonating with these different areas where you're providing equipping mm. for people to really connect with you uh to check out your links in the show notes um and then anything cool that you got coming out like a new book or a new kind of project that people should be like ready for because it's coming out yeah um actually i am currently i just finished the outline to a book i've been trying to write for the last like probably year um so we're gonna start going to town getting that written out but I, we just finished that this last week so i've got a book coming out i don't know what i'm calling it but it's basically gonna be my manifesto on discerning spirits amazing which i think will be so helpful specifically for people who absorb information that way so that'd be like a 2020 project probably 2020 it'll probably hopefully come out 2020 yeah yeah, yeah i don't awesome. know when i can't promise that that'd be great I think somewhere in that yeah. year yeah um we've got the entrepreneurship event coming up in november um, we've got a another event coming up in, I want to say April. We don't have actual dates yet, but just something to be aware of. Um, it's called, oh no, 
I forgot what we called it, but basically it's like starting your business. So this is like okay. for people from the entrepreneurship event going into, if you have a lawn care business, a carpet shampooing business, you're cutting hair, you're a coach, whatever, you wanna like take your business to the next level. You wanna start your business, whatever. It's for the people in that phase of life where they have an idea, they've got a product, they've got a service, or they're already trying and you wanna like get this thing moving. Make that business for that. Yeah, so we've got a lot of push for the entrepreneurship stuff right now. Yeah. Super exciting. In July, we have our NUMA symposium. So July, 2020, uh, we're basically, wow. we're gathering everyone that's part of whatever we're doing into one room. We're having an event. We're gonna get on the same page. There'll be some teaching, but also like that's connecting your, that's your and writing, here and writing. Yeah. yeah, that'd be amazing. It, that'd Lord be willing, that's the plan, yeah. Dude, you're, you're, you're crushing it, man. <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're blowing it up. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for um, creating this this time, this space. Thanks for having us over. Totally, my this pleasure. is great, man. Yeah. Appreciate you. Likewise. All right. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarenshow.com. That's thedarenshow.com. You can give it one star and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarenshow.com. Thanks guys.